Alzheimer's sucks. It's an equal opportunity disease that chips away at everything we hold dear. And to date, there's no cure. So until there is, we continue to fight with the most powerful tool in our arsenal, love. This is Love Conquers Alls, a real and really positive podcast that takes a deep dive into everything Alzheimer's, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And now, here are your hosts, Susie Singer-Carter and me, Don Priest. Hello, everybody. I'm Susie Singer-Carter. And I'm Don Priest, and this is Love Conquers Alls. Hello, Susie. Hello, Donald. How, how art how thou? I'm good. I'm, I'm, great. I'm well. I'm good and bad because I I'm awesome because I got my first first vaccination yesterday, Me and too. so did you. Yes, <laughs> and my arms feel in it a little bit. My arm is so sore, and I asked them. I said, "I'm left-handed. Should I get it in my right arm?" They're like, "No, no worries." I'm like, "Oh, maybe I'm the biggest wuss in the world, but it hurts so bad. It's no, so sore." You get it in the other. You get it the other arm always. Yeah. Always. No, it's it's so painful. And then I had aches and pains in my back, and I don't even know if that was part of it, but it just felt Probably. weird. But I'm also so elated because I'm halfway to seeing my mom now. Yes. One more shot, and then I can go and get into the place and actually snuggle with her. I cannot wait. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. I have After to wait a, year, a couple more time. weeks. Yeah. So this is good. I'm so excited. How, and how are you feeling? Did you get, did you have any symptoms? I didn't have any symptoms. I was feeling a little tired, you know, uh, you always la- feel tired, last night, but I feel tired anyway. So I <laughs> couldn't tell the difference and uh, my arm's sore, but it's actually better today than it was last night. So I'm wow. good. I'm, you're like a I'm warrior. Thrilled. You're like a, you're like a yeah. COVID warrior. Yeah. I'm super been, tough. You yeah. are. <laughs> <laughs> We have um, a, I, our, our, our guest is super tough and a warrior. She's a super warrior. Did you, did you read all that cool stuff about her? There's so much. And, and I um, just want to, I think, I think we just, you know, need to get to her because she has so much to no, say. No, she has too much to say, like so much to <laughs> say. And I just want to pick her brain. And we're all, we're so on the same wavelength. And she knows everybody that's in this community. I'm not even kidding you. She's the greatest yeah. resource in the world. And I'm already like, I already want to be her BFF because she knows everything about this. She's so awesome. Isn't she? Indeed. She okay, is. Tell, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about tell her. Tell everybody about and, her. Well, first of all, her name is Judy Cornish, and she's a renowned author, attorney, and member of the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. Um, before becoming a lawyer, Judy worked in vocational rehabilitation with people who have brain injuries and as a qualified mental health associate with the mentally ill. So with her background in traumatic brain injury, mental illness, elder law, and disability law, she brings a distinctive set of abilities to her work with dementia and Alzheimer's. In 2010, she founded the Dementia and Alzheimer's Wellbeing Network, or DAWN, and is the creator of the DAWN Method, which is, among other things, what we are going to talk about today. And that said, let's welcome... Judy Cornish. Hello, hello. Okay, and I have to say, please don't call me an expert because I'm I'm one of those people who's had so much experience that it's hard to be an expert in anything. But you know, because I've I worked one spring, I was able to work with sheep, and I have to tell you, I learned more about dementia from working with sheep or you know um, horses uh, and children, as you and I were talking about before. Yes. So. Yeah, children are great. Well, okay, she's not a she's a she's, yeah. a, she's a really she's a good knower. 
I'm a she dabbler. Knows a, <laughs> she knows she knows things. She a lot knows of a things. Lot of things. <laughs> things and Many stuff. Related things. <laughs> Give us the Raiders Digest version of of Dawn method. And then we'll dive into it. But I want to just, like, give us the main, like, the the concepts of it, the conceit of it. Okay, so the Dawn Method is a set of tools. And it's based on the strengths of dementia. So there's two premises that I learned when I just dropped everything and started spending all my time with people who were experiencing dementia. That the first truth is we lose skills, but we do not lose all our skills, just some of them. So there are strengths and you can work with it. And secondly, uh, when we talk about the symptoms of dementia, it's not strange, inexplicable behaviors that have no reason or logic. They are totally understandable if you understand the second rule and that that is there are very specific emotional needs when we lose skills. And that's really all that's happening. Once, once you understand what is lost and what is kept, and once you understand that, that anybody who's experiencing dementia is just us, it's just us when we find ourselves unable to experience or, or use a tool that we're really used to. So, you know, to me, there's, there's no need for stigma. In fact, I didn't even understand there was stigma at first because, mm-hmm. um, you know, to me, it was just this is my elders and these are wonderful mm-hmm. people and and they are so full of wisdom and knowledge and experience see you're and you're very you, that's a unique and, that's a very unique perspective for in our in that yeah, i find most people don't have it and most people have to learn it i had to learn it what brought you to the dawn method how did you get there yeah. what what you know tell us about that yeah. well i had been practicing law in portland oregon and um, I ended up in law school. That's a long story, but it wasn't really, um, law was never my goal. I had never wished to be an attorney. And um, ending up in law school, when I, when I, when I did go, I, I, I took disability law, elder law, wills and trusts, family law, anything I could take that would be law related to the person. And it was because uh, prior to going, I worked for a year as a psychosocial skills trainer with the mentally ill. And that was a $10 an hour job. And I took it so that I wouldn't have to leave a small town in Oregon uh-huh. so that my son could graduate in the same high school. Wow. But what I discovered, um, so I was working with in a, in a lockdown facility with 25 beds. And I think there were about 23 uh, residents. And... You had to be criminally mentally ill in Oregon to actually warrant one of these beds. Now, these people had, um, there were five psychosocial skills trainers, um, two aides in the daytime, I think one aide overnight, access to a full-time nurse and a psychologist, a psychologist on call for these 23 people. Um, mentally ill was the diagnosis. Same building, other side of the door is a 97 bed Alzheimer's unit being run by one of America's uh, long-term facility corporations. 97 beds, two aides, a nurse. And guess what? They didn't get psychologists or psychosocial skills trainers. They got bed restraints, wheelchair restraints. Mm-hmm. and psychotropic drugs 1999 
in Oregon. And when, when I discovered my scholarship would only allow me to go to Portland, Oregon for a graduate degree, and then by default, it turned out that was going to be law. And I found myself going to law school. I knew one thing. I wanted to learn everything there was about American law and how it affected the elders. Because what I saw, I could not live with. Yep. Yep. Fast forward to that. Basically, that was a morgue, basically. It was a a morgue, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I I tell this. It was a torture chamber. It's torture. When my mother ended up incontinent because by accident, on on the way to a doctor's appointment, they, from her facility, the, when they, when they came to, when they were like checking her in, they misdiagnosed her without, not Alzheimer's, but, you know, a mental breakdown and put her in lockup. And I couldn't right. get her out for seven days. And she had been walking five miles. She was like in great, the best shape she'd ever been in. And she, they, when I went to finally get to visit her after three days, she was tethered to a chair and was oh, on yeah. De- Depakote, which is like... Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. 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 And which is, a, in case I've mentioned it before, but it's a, a drug that I later found out is a black, it's a black label drug, especially for people with dementia. Right. It could kill them. And it turned my mom into a, 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 yeah. a just a blah, 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 you know, zombie. And she never recovered she from it. Since. She hasn't yeah. walked since. She hasn't walked since and became since. incontinent from it. I, I have had people, you know, my clients... Um, as you may have noticed or know about me, the Dawn Method, I am devoted to helping families understand how to provide dementia care so that people can live as long as possible in their own homes. In the best With quality. family in yeah. the home, best quality life possible. And it's really difficult to age in place in America with the way our system is set up. Mm-hmm. And the prevalence and the acceptance of uh, that, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times I'm, I'm working with a family and, and within 20 minutes of the initial geriatric care consultation, somebody will say, yeah, but, you know, she's old. She belongs in an elder care facility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, and, and, and to which I always feel like saying, okay, so you give birth to children. Well, they belong in boarding schools, right? Right, you know, right. British showed us how well that works. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. And send yeah. your children away to group living in institutions run by corporations. Exactly. And that's, that's what the we right... do to our elders. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> or they say things like my family, like part family members up to me said, you know, uh, well, she's not going to remember anyway. What difference does it make? Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so I am, that's. One of the first things I, I, I tried to explain and get people to understand is um, if I am losing my memory skills, now let's keep in mind that natural aging, we become a little bit let more forgetful. Yeah. It's not because we're losing skills. It's because our brains are so full of information and experiences and knowledge and wisdom that it takes a little longer to retrieve stuff. Right. I love that. That's a great perspective it, instead of like, because I, I panic every time I can't think of something. I think, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. no, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're in your 20s, you haven't had too terribly many experiences. There's not a whole mm-hmm. lot of knowledge there. And so picture a library and there's lots of shelves. They're empty. Right. They're ready and waiting. Right. And your life is going to fill those shelves. And and there's every time you have a new experience, you get to you file it and put it where it belongs. And every time mm-hmm. you want to retrieve information, it's easy to see where it was and where it is. Easy to get to. And then you get into your 30s. And every once in a while, it takes a little longer because that library is getting full. 
Yeah. By the time you get to your 40s, every once in a while, you're going to be looking for a proper noun. You know, those words in yes. English that we capitalize. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when you get into your 50s, every once in a while, you're looking for a noun. Yeah. And that's because as we age, we become, we're like libraries. We're like Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes' um, haddock. You got to be careful how much you put yeah. up there because it's getting crowded. And then we're yeah, gonna archive. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. What shelf archive. did I put that on? Yeah, right. And if you've not been getting a lot of sleep, there's a whole lot of stuff that isn't filed. It's just that... sitting there in piles. Oh my God, that's so important. While you sleep, right? That's right. so important right. because when when you're stressed out, you don't sleep. And as caregivers, yeah. we do that. Yeah. And we think, yeah. especially for aid types, like some people I know, and we, you know, we just decide we can do it all. Who need, I, I can get by with three hours sleep. Guess what? You can't. No, you can't. No. Yeah. We need our sleep. Yeah. I always try to, if I can possibly put a team of caregivers with people and I like to separate my daytime caregivers from the overnight caregivers. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, but this, this idea that if I, if she doesn't remember it, it doesn't matter. That's such, <sighs> that's so cruel. Because cool. yeah. we dementia that takes away not just memories, it takes away our memory skills. And when I right. lose that ability to retrieve knowledge from the past, what I'm what I've lost in the terms in Daniel Kahneman's terms, I've lost my remembering self, the part of me that can borrow information from the past. Mm. I've also lost that part of me that would be able to recognize that things are familiar. This is this is and this is another whole topic. Um, I want to go home. That's a topic. That's a different yeah. different podcast. But but think about what's happening. I'm losing my remembering self, but am I losing losing myself? And this is one of the most primary principles I teach. No, you are not. It is not like Italo Calvino says that we're just a collection of memories. We're not. We are experiential beings, and that's why it does us good to be mindful. That's why it does us good to meditate. That's why it is good to let children have lots of time to play and be bored and experience and, and be creative. What does mindful mean? Though? Okay, so essentially to be mindful is to have attention skills at your disposal and to use them to choose whether to be in the past, the present, or the future. Okay, okay if you want to study mindfulness, the very first person you go to is Ellen Langer. And Ellen Langer shaped the way I chose to encounter dementia. She's um, Harvard retired. She was the first woman, I think, that they hired in their as a professor in the psychology department um, back in the 70s. Her little book, Mindfulness, came out in the, in the 80s. She's known as the mother of mindfulness. So you begin with her little book, okay. Mindfulness. Um, but to be mindful is to be able to choose, to have attention skills and get to choose where to put them. And, and if you really want to be mindful, choose the present. Mm -hmm. Because those of us who are experiencing dementia, we lose our remembering selves. We, we lose the ability to go to our memories, knowledge of the past, using our memory skills. And so we're stuck with no past. We're in the present. Mm -hmm. In addition, we lose rational thinking skills. And we can talk more about those in a minute, but the rational thinking skills give us the ability to anticipate, plan, and um, idealize, um, picture the, pre the future. So when I experience dementia, I am frozen in the present. But please understand that now that I am not distracted by the past or the future, I am 100% present. 
I am fully experiencing everything, everything you do to me in the present. And so don't say it doesn't matter because she won't remember because she might not be able to re recall it. She might not be able to explain it. She might not be able to recount what just happened to her. But my goodness, it happened. It's she interesting. Always, yeah. And she's having an emotional reaction yep. and yeah. will. And, and she's yeah. learned it experientially, which is part of the intuitive thinking skills that we keep. And therefore, she will never forget. Yeah. Well, it's and interesting always, that that yeah. seems to be the higher. I, I'm listening to oh. uh, a new book by by uh, Russell Brand, who you either hate him or love him, but I think he's kind of kind of brilliant. And he's talking about revelation and about the fact that, you know, that's what we should aspire to is this yeah. sort of sacred self, which is basically the now. And and, you know, but we get caught up in this, you know, I'm not going to say it as, as articulately as you did, but the future and the past. And so I always, I yeah. think that when I look at my mother, she's like a baby in a way that it was so beautiful. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I mean it in a no. way that's so, no. it's beautiful because she is only right there and can only be right there as my, as my, my granddaughter. She can own, you know, right. she's a, she, as a baby, she can only be right there. That's all it is. It is right. now. Yeah. And, and it's, and what right? happens, it's not that your mother has become, um, unintelligent. Right. Dementia does not take away our intelligence. It only takes away memory skills, rational thinking skills, and, and those are tools. You know, and, 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 and I know our culture. We live in a culture that is the product of 2,000 years of Western civilization. It's a culture that loves memory skills. Think about how you go through school. If you've got good memory skills, you're going to get stars from kindergarten to your PhD. You'll get so gold true. stars. So true. If we, you know, think about conversation, we get embarrassed if we tell somebody the same story twice. Mm -hmm. That's because our society prizes memory skills. Right. But we, we get impatient if somebody in conversation repeats themselves. That's the society prizing memory skills again. Why would you prize one cognitive skill above all others? It's limiting. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense because mm -hmm. we have more than just memory skills and we are more than just this Calvino's catalog collection of memories. We are brand's soul, that person, the self right. that never goes away. Right. And, you know, and it just breaks my heart when I hear people say, oh, I lost my dad to dementia or I lost my mother to Alzheimer's. That's another talk, but you don't need to be lost you just have to use the skills you still have that they have lost and you use your skills on their behalf yeah we are we always say you know that and especially going back to when somebody says oh they're not going to remember you yeah. can tell the difference when you go to visit let's say the difference between the people who have mm -hmm. visitors and who do not even right. though none of them remember because we always right. say yeah you may not remember here but you do remember here Mm -hmm. And yes. you do, they, they keep, and it is, it does ingrain. And it, and I think that's maybe even more important than remembering here. Absolutely. Also, and when, yeah. when you point to your head, you're saying we remember here in our brains. Well, you're talking about rational thinking skills mm -hmm. and memory skills. And when you point to your heart, you're talking about the experiential self and the intuitive thinking skills. And our intuitive right. thinking skills are, are the primary whole mm -hmm. set it's in Ian McGilchrist's terms, the intuitive thinking skills are the master. The rational thinking skills are just tools, just an emissary. It, yes, exactly. Which yeah. I, brings me to a question which for me is a little selfish, but it's, you know, my mom's at that stage now where she doesn't, she, which is so 
frustrating, I know for her, she can, she was articulating and being able to, you know, form sentences before. Can you talk more about that when someone's lost their ability to articulate and, and people could easily give up on their loved one because they're, oh, yeah. they're, but you know, picture as, as you give birth and here's this gorgeous little being and you hold them, this little, little beautiful child in your arms and you're looking them in the eye and they look back at you and their eyes open and they look, they smile. You're, you're just thrilled. We do, you say, come on, say my name. You know, I'm mom. Come on, say mommy, mommy, come yeah. on. Oh, I don't want this one. This, I can't, I've lost my infant because this infant can't speak English yet. That's not right. how we react. We, 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 you know, as parents, we give birth and then we, we begin to, uh, we love our infants, we love our children, and we watch as they grow. We watch them gain skills mm -hmm. and we watch them develop emotionally and cognitively. Now they're born 100% intelligent. It's all there, but they have to learn to speak our language. Exactly. But they do speak nonverbal communications. They read our nonverbal communications almost instantly, right? They're learning um smiling they they you can tell how the child feels and the child knows how you feel by just looking in your eyes yeah and then at the other end of life and you know picture life is a bell curve we begin in childhood we live in adulthood and then we the other end of the bell curve is again elderhood yeah. three stages of life and, yeah. and we end up in elderhood but when somebody is losing rational thinking skills they will lose acquired language the childhood language will go last if they've if they've spoken more than one language in their lifetimes those learned more recently go first but eventually they will lose the ability to use english language mm -hmm. i'm not sure that they ever forget how to interpret it and understand what we are saying because boy i've watched people understand long past years in after losing their language but here's what we get to do so just like we support the child and work with the child's emotional condition, development and cognitive abilities at each stage. And at each stage of the child's development, we continue to alter the environment to keep mm -hmm. the child safe and to maximize the child's development. Right, right, exactly. Okay, now we're at the other end of life. Here's my mom, or here's my loved one, and she's losing the ability to use um, language. She's also losing memory skills. And so more and more often when people come into the room or come into her presence, she will not be able to put the name to the face. Pretty soon she won't be able to tell from faces who is familiar and who is not. That's got mm -hmm. nothing to do with anything but the loss of memory skills. Mm -hmm. Once those skills go, when I come into the, to the room or come into the presence of a client, who no longer has those skills, I don't feel that my client is lost to me. I know my client doesn't have certain skills that I still have, and I put mine to use. Hey, mm -hmm. Mary, how are you? You know who I am? I'm Judy. You and me, boy, we, we met, oh, let me think, I think it was eight years ago. You uh -huh. were gardening in the front lawn, and I came across the street. I had just uh -huh. moved in across the street, and you and me, we are such good friends. We really love each other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I start to tell her, what am I telling my clients? As they lose skills, I use more and more of mine. But I want to tell this person, I want to tell them who they are and who I am. Right. I want to tell them our relationship. Right. And once, and I'll, I'll keep repeating that because I know she doesn't have memory skills. But then I'm going to tell her who loves her 
and who she loves. Yeah. And when people and and you know the the message I always tell, and I tell families this until the end, until your loved one closes his or her eyes for the last time and is gone, dies, you use your skills and mm -hmm. you sit and you tell them who you are, who I am, who loves you, who you love. And most of all, here are the stories of your life because I want you to know that you lived a good life. You did good things for people. It's and so you know, I've, I've done it. I know. And people like one time I remember walking into an adult family home to see my client and this new staff member came up. She said, who are you going to see? Mary? Oh, you're wasting your time. She can't talk. She can't even eat. She can't get out of bed. She, she, she won't open her eyes. She's not there. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I'm here to see Mary and I'm going to go sit in the room with her. And I went and sat down and I did that. Hey, Mary, it's Judy. It's your dear friend, Judy. Oh my goodness, you and me, we've known each other for years. Oh, we've had so much fun. Until I told her stories, you know, and at first she's in a fetal position. They say she hasn't moved or done anything. Everybody's waiting for her to die. And at, at first, no movement, nothing. And as I began to tell her our stories, the fun we had had, one eye opened as her sack. And then pretty soon two eyes are open and she's looking at me with, with incredulity. She's mm -hmm. not sure what's going on. What's mm -hmm. going on here? And after about probably 10 minutes, she was laughing. She was chuckling. She was holding my hands, Aww. you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, no memory skills, but she knew by the time I left, she knew I loved her. She loves she me loved you. and she had lived a good life because I yep. spent half an hour telling her all of her memories about her husband and when they first got married all the stories that I spent my time with her memorizing her stories and, and because you know I what? knew the time yeah. would come when I had to use my skills when she right. couldn't use hers. I never lost her. Uh, you are so right because, and I think that if you... Yeah. As the audience, I'm just talking to the audience and saying I can attest to that because it took us a long time to learn that on our own. But we love my mom so much and my daughters love her so much. And, and you yeah. know, especially through the Zoom and she's lost a lot of her skills during this pandemic because there hasn't yeah. been enough stimulation. And right. so, you know, we the my two daughters and, and my daughter had a baby this year. So the baby's on and the baby knows my mom now from just from Zoom. And right. the two of them yeah. don't don't use language, either one of them yet. But, you know, I'll say, point out who where's nanny and she'll point to the which one is nanny. Right. In the thing. Right. And we we yeah. do what you're saying. We say, I say, hi, mommy. I miss you so much. I love you. It's been a week since we've seen you. And here's Joey, your other granddaughter that loves right. you and you love her. Yeah. Don't tell Maddie she's your favorite and we make jokes about it. My mom will laugh when I make that joke. Right. So I know exactly. she's getting yeah. it. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's opening doors. It's basically that there's there's just a shut door that they can't unlock. Right. Yeah. And if you can just open that door, now it's not going to stay open until mm -hmm. the next time you open it. But at least when you open that door, you let that mm -hmm. light in, and you and that's what affects them. It's the same thing by using music. Music. Right. Something that they See, relate and, to. And why does music work? It's because we 
listen to, hear, we relate to sensory stimulation using our intuitive thinking skills. You know, I, I, I most of my teaching, when I teach families or, or when I'm teaching caregivers, um, when I do it in with private classes, I teach one class a week for eight weeks and I watch, you can see the person growing in understanding of their own intuitive thinking skills or their own their own skills, cognitive mm -hmm. skills, and then growing in understanding and rec being able to recognize when their loved one is using specific skills. Because, you know, it, Dan, Dan Mo Cohen, he started out music and memories in that lovely um, video on YouTube, uh, Alive Inside Henry. If you put in my those favorite, search terms, it'll come my up. Favorite. I've, I've, favorite. I have it on our on our notes. It's the best. It's the best thing ever. It, it's it's brilliant. so wonderful. He does come to life, and this yeah. is what happens when I tell people who they are, and I use my memory skills and tell them their stories. But it's because music, love, emotions, recognizing our the emotions of people around us, feeling our own emotions, and beauty, beauty of whatever it is, any kind of sensory stimulation that we find pleasing, mm -hmm. be it a color, a sound, a taste, a smell, mm -hmm. a touch, anything, it's all available to us through our intuitive thinking skills, and we do not lose those, not at all. Right. And it's all available in the present, and we do not lose our experiential self, not at all. Right. We lose. So these are what we lose. This is what I teach with the Dawn Method. Your loved one, depending on the type of dementia, depending on what parts of the brain it affects, depending on, um, you know, those those factors, they are going to lose rational thinking skills eventually altogether. They are going to lose memory skills eventually all, which means they'll be living in the three second now. And eventually they're going to lose three out of five of our types of attention skills. Depends on the type of dementia and the parts of the brain it affects and maybe previous life experiences like TBIs, traumatic brain injury, as to what goes first or what your pattern is, that that's what goes. And what we keep is all of our intuitive thinking skills and our fully experiential self, fully able to be in the present. And when you work with that, there are gifts. There is so much beauty. There is so much companionship. It's it. You know, the, Inu the um, Inuit say that dementia is a gift. Our society doesn't. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's because we have this, we've deified memory skills and rational thinking. And youth. And, and, and forgotten about yeah. humanity. Yeah. 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 The use of photographs or video, is that effective if they don't recognize faces? How, is that something you can use or no? It depends. How are you going to use that? So here's, here's two ways of, to go about it. Let's say, um, you know, my husband, Johnny, notices that I'm beginning to lose, lose skills and, and eventually I get diagnosed and we're a couple of years through from mild cognitive impairment and he loves me and he really wants me to remember as much as possible to maintain my skills as long as possible. So let's say he grabs the photo album, pictures of Michelle and the boys, you know, the grandkids, and he starts testing me. Okay, come on, Judy, you remember when we took this picture? Do you remember? Tell me, which Christmas was it? Which year? Okay, what? We, the older boy, what's his name? Younger boy, what's his name? Mm -hmm. Where were we when we took this picture? Come on, you remember, we've gone there many times. Mm -hmm. If he does that, I will begin to associate failure and discomfort mm -hmm. 
and shame and pain with those photographs. And I won't want to look at them anymore. And I've had clients who, after a family member leaves, the client will say, Judy, come here, please come here. And, and she'll take me into her bedroom and, or down the hall and show me that, the array of family photos. And she'll say, I don't know who these people are, but I don't like them anymore. They don't mm. make me feel good. As opposed to being shared the memory, if you told them what the memory was, right. then so it now becomes let's, something, yeah. Let's do it a different way. Let's have John sit down with me and pull out the photo album and say, oh, Judy, look at this. Here's a picture of Snow Falls. We took the boys there all the time. Boy, the first time we took them there, Jason was only three years old. Oh, look at him in this picture. Mm -hmm. Here he is three years old. Oh, oh, look at this one. This is up, us up on Clifty Mountain. Mm -hmm. and And if he uses those photographs, to share companionship and, and love with me, then what I see my clients doing, um, like one client, for instance, she, um, we noticed that every morning when the caregiver got there, all the pictures of the grandchildren had a scarf. Each picture was wrapped in a scarf and there was a candy in front of the picture. She was putting the grandchildren to bed mm. and giving them a treat. That's beautiful. Aww. I mean, you know, what's wrong with that? How many times do little girls have tea parties for their teddies and their dolls? Another client who she was really gregarious, oh really, so really, isn't it beautiful? Yeah. Another client would lay the pictures down so that they could go to sleep at night. Mm. Another one, she would sit at her desk and she'd get out books and she'd get her Bible out and she had a, a bulletin board and her daughters put all pictures of all her friends up on the bulletin board. And she, we eventually we couldn't figure out because we, this, um, one of my Dawn trainers, uh, Jill down in Colorado, this is her client. And, and she would, um, nobody could figure out what was going on. Cause if you came to the door, she'd say, no, I've got people over. I, I I'm sorry. I can't visit. I'm, I have people over. I have guests. Oh, and so, you know, wow. you, the family, you start to worry. Um, yeah. You know, I had another client, same thing. And what we did for, for the client in Moscow, we put a camera in the trees outside the door to make sure there wasn't an intruder who was, you know, taking advantage. But oh no, this, this woman would sit with the Bible and she'd read them stories and then they'd talk about it and discuss it. And she was giving herself incredible social stimulation, spending time with her friends during lockdown. Mm -hmm. when, wow. When there's so much... So, so instead of looking at it as delusion, you look at it as imagination and, you know, and just a, a new reality yeah. and, as opposed to I, a negative thing. Yeah, because <laughs> someone goes, oh, she's really yeah. gone crazy It's like now, babies you know. self-soothe, <laughs> you know, you're self-soothing, right. you're figuring out a way. You know, right. when my when my stepfather died, my, they, my this was my mother's biggest fear. He was her best friend. Like they, she said, oh, she used to yeah. always say to me, when Georgie goes, I'm done. And I'd yeah. always say, Mom, stop that. You have all of us. We love you. Stop that. Because they were 12 years yeah. difference. He was 12 years older than her. And yeah. so, of course, as people do, he passed away. And this was like, this is the year that I moved her into my house with me because she was going through Groundhog's Day, right? Because right. it was like every five minutes she'd go, where's Georgie? He's, we're supposed to, and i say, Mom. Yeah. And it was like, what? Nobody told me. Why didn't they tell me? And it was like, oh, oh my God. Right, you know, right. and my and that was the time when at, at the funeral my brother was like, just stop telling her he's he's passed. It's you know, you're being cruel. Right. And I said it is. But 
I had to. Okay, you're saying it is cruel to say that he is passed. Okay, but but she. Okay, here's the thing. I moved her in with me, and every time she would ask me where he is, I would say, "Mommy, I'm so sorry he passed away," and I'd show her the memorial thing that I had made for him, and yeah, and that maybe it's just because of what I knew of my mother that she that if I did it in in the way that I felt was the most compassionate that it would yeah, stick yeah. because it was so important and and it took about it took about two weeks and and at and the end of the it two stuck. it stuck and I said to her she'd go where's Georgie and I'd say mom and she'd go he died oh, and I said yeah, yeah. and she so said what you did that's beautiful because what you did was you helped her use her intuitive thinking skills which include experiential learning. Mm -hmm. And so you helped her come to grips with grief and loss through experiential learning. Um, you know, I, I know we really struggle with this in the United States and you'll see people calling it um, therapeutic fibbing or, you know, people say, I cannot lie. My parents taught me not to lie, I cannot lie. Mm -hmm. But if my mother were to lose her eyesight, if every time we're together and she says well you know where are we right now it wouldn't be kind of me to say well come on mom you know right you, i know you used to be able to use your vision skills so come on you know where we are just i'm gonna point now you follow my finger right, right. pointing at <laughs> right. what you need to know and that would be not only illogical but it would be cruel and unkind right and it's the same thing when we lose our memory skills when we say to somebody, and I think we do this because we confuse losing memory skills with losing a memory. And, and when we have a healthy brain and mm -hmm. somebody says, oh, come on, Judy, we, we talked about that last week. And I say, what, really? And my friend will then say, well, come on, we, were, we went for a walk and, and uh, we discussed the whole thing. And she gives me a few clues and all of a sudden it pops into my head. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. right, yes, of course, I remember mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. That's because I have a healthy brain. That's because I couldn't find a memory, but I do have memory skills. Right. So this is like um, somebody who loses their hearing. All of a sudden, right. they do not have auditory skills any longer. It's not going to help to yell, and it's mm -hmm. not going to help to demand that they listen harder. Oh, so that's it won't such help a great to metaphor. give them clues yeah. either, yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So losing my memory skills means you need to interact with me in a new way. And, and then when you think about what it means to, to understand reality, mm -hmm. to know the truth, you know, what are we talking about? We're talking about having a correct interpretation of the present. Mm -hmm. Where, let's say, you know, you and your mom are sitting on the veranda and she looks around and says, well, where, where, where is he? All right, she's misinterpreting the reality, the present, why? because she lost his memory skills and she's mm -hmm. not able to access the information about the past. Mm -hmm. Well, if I've lost my ability to use information regarding what has already occurred, what has already been said, what has been previously been done, what, what the situation became, once I lose my ability to interpret correctly through the loss of memory skills, how could you and I ever live in the same reality ever again? Mm -hmm. You can't. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. And and so why do we demand that people do it? Now now we say, but 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 I can't tell a lie. Well, really? So 
we <laughs> like with our children and the two-year-old yeah. says mommy where do babies come from you right. tell her the whole truth yeah nothing <laughs> but the truth and you say right yeah. right I got stuff on the on the on the computer. Yeah. I can show you how yeah. it all works. Yeah, let me show and you. you yeah. Understand the whole <laughs> I, thing. Right? I know, hundred percent, hundred percent. No, right. and that and comes I, with yeah. Go ahead, Suze. But why I was going to. I was going because they can't. They're not. They are not capable of comprehending that, and it's it's over. It's overload, right. and it's it, it makes no sense. Right. It's a waste of time. And but I think, and I, I and it can be. It's unkind. Too. Yeah, it of course, and it also could hurt them in many ways. But but I think. My choice with my mother was obviously not to be cruel because I adore right. her, but I, and I knew her fear of losing my stepfather and I knew she was strong enough to accept it because she's a strong pistol and I knew that she could with all of us and, and I, and living with us, with, with my daughter and, you know, yeah. uh, a helper that we knew forever who was my daughter's nanny and part of my mom's family. We, you know, it was, it was very, very comforting. And I yeah. knew I, I felt, I didn't know. I'm just saying I took a, I took an educated guess that if I did this on a regular basis with kindness and love and let her have her moment of <gasps> what? And I would tell her each time, no, mommy, we had the beautiful funeral. You were there. You were so funny. You said this because she was adorable. She said, I see you later, alligator. You know, and she was because they had this thing. It was just such a lovely friendship. And and then little by little, it was a, it was a, it was the gift to me because when she went, he's dead, right? I said, yeah. Wow, that's so she, beautiful. But look what you did. You did it in love. Mm-hmm. You, you, and, and when she, when she, you gave her the information, then you stayed with her and you grieved with her each time. And so she learned that you grieved with her mm -hmm. and, and she was supported. That's the difference. That's the same. That's exactly the same story as the two different ways to present a picture album of yes. photographs to yes. somebody. And yes. you did it with, you, you didn't, it wasn't an educated guess. It was intuition. It was wisdom on your part. Thank you. That's following and, your intuition. Yeah. But it's and also you have comes, to learn it's the, love. You have to learn those things because, yes. and going back to when I watched Susie when her mom, when she was first experiencing dealing with her mother and she had no education in this and there wasn't a lot of resources at the time. No. And she made many, many mistakes that she admits to because she didn't know. She tried to talk her into knowing things and testing her and doing oh i did everything all the bad like, things you said the, i did that yeah. i did it every bit of it the, the only way but, i knew not to do it was because i hurt people yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, but you learn clients. but it's taking those cues and learning and and using yeah. your intuition not everyone has intuition and that's why we need right. to have those resources for people out there so they they can you know, learn not to do those things because right. it's just as easy to do it the other way. It's easier to do it the other way and more enjoyable because you're engaging with them. You're right. not telling them something. You're sharing with them. And I think right. that's... But we have a problem in our society. Don, we have a problem. We have a systematic course. problem that is that we, there's a huge lack of empathy. And it's not, it's not, that's not lauded like memory is lauded you know and so right. you know and and so empathy is equated with weakness sometimes and you know and so we a lot of uh, a lot of people don't learn empathetic skills or if they do they they get rid of them quickly because it's you know well, because it's not they're selfish they're yeah. selfish and and it's like how oh they're affecting my life right you now know, their their yeah. disability 
quote unquote, is affecting my life well, and, yeah. as opposed to what we always say, lean in, lean, in. lean into right. their it's world. Like, it's like yeah. the typical narcissist who I used to be married to. And I'll say this, you know, because I learned about, I learned that, that I didn't know that they actually don't have empathy and they can't really, you know, a, nar- a true narcissist doesn't have it. And, exactly. and you know, yep. my ex used to say, if I, if I would get, if I would be upset at something horrible that he did and he'd go, oh my God, how do you think what you just said makes me feel? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a beautiful example. Yep. But you know, look at our society. If you prize rational thinking uh-huh. and, and think about how we talk about our intuitive thinking skills, we don't call them intuitive thinking skills. We call it intuition. And we say, well, you know, it's kind of all wrapped up with emotion and we know emotion is bad. Right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and there's this whole, um, this, we, we denigrate what is the core of our humanity. Your intuitive thinking skills, that those, your intuitive thinking skills gather information. You gather everything via your senses, unfiltered. All, everything you encounter through what you see, hear, smell, taste, or touch is gathered and not filtered. It's whole. Your intuitive thinking skills are your primary thinking skills. And then then we have, you know, we have a bicameral brain. And and you can't sort that out by saying, well, we do our intuitive thinking on, on one side and rational thinking on the other. It's not like that. Uh-uh. Uh, where is the wrong question? How, How? is the correct Yeah, question. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's unfiltered information about how everybody around us feels. When people who have dementia, as it progresses, their filters go off, go away, go their away. social filters. Right. And so you see the true person of who they are. Yeah. And like children, if, if, if they think that person has a big butt, they're going to say, wow, what a big butt. And think about what else happens when we lose our memory skills. Uh-huh. We lose all of the, all the wounds. Uh-huh. All of yeah. the, the hurts and pains of life, all nice. of the things that have scarred us, all of the things right. that, that have shaped us away from that beautiful, full, complete right. person we were born as. And so I've seen clients when I get to just wrap, you know, the dawn blanket around a, a, a person and, and take care of them right through death. They, I've seen relationships healed. I've seen, you know, like couples that, that were completely broken fall in love again. Oh. It's it there is so much beauty to when we understand the full scale of our human cognitive skills and stop being prejudiced and just wanting to admire just rational thinking just attention skills just memory skills no 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 all the good stuff is in the experiential self with the intuitive thinking skills in the present and you know when you think about it where do you have a good time with somebody it's when you're together in the present when, yeah. when you think about the past and you think and you have a happy memory of something, oh, that was so much fun. My best memory with that person is, mm-hmm. well, it's a few moments. It wasn't, you know, a, a huge long period of time. It's moments out of right. an entire lifetime of experience. And I think that That's melancholy isn't. It can be painful too. It's like sometimes, you know, it, it's not. It's it. I find it. You know, there's a. It's it's a double-edged sword. Memories because. They can be, they can, even if they're good, it can be painful because you don't have it anymore. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't mourn the loss of my daughter's babyhood, 
Whereas I know like their dad, my, well, I have two different fathers, but, my, but the, first, the <laughs> yeah. one, the good dad, yeah. he, he does, yeah. he, he does mourn over that. To me, that's yeah. like not appreciating what you have now with them and what they bring into your life now. And they bring different gifts each stage of their life, which is so right. fun. Do you feel that there's any, is, does one way heavier, more important than the other, which is sharing memories or just being in the moment and present? Or is it a combination, is there, is it one that you feel gets more of a reaction or is there any way to know that? That's a good question, well, Don. It's a great Thank question. You. And you know, I think we like, as family members, we just can't know. You can't know what to expect. So I, I always say go prepared and, and being loving somebody who's experiencing dementia is being a detective. You become mm. a detective of those few songs of their lifetime that move their hearts, that bring them to tears, that make them start clapping and singing out loud. You're looking for the, that music and you put it on um, an MP3 player and you get some nice soft headphones like those ones from Apple. And, and now you've got that music that you know your loved one is moved by. And then you, you know there are certain colors, there are certain fabrics, there are certain things that they really love. Um, mm -hmm. you're a, you become the beauty detective. Food. People sometimes a, a little, yeah. a bit, some dessert or something that yeah. they love. On Zoom, we say to my mom, oh, mom, because we know something that we knew she liked, like this tequila chicken, right? So we'd say yeah. from, from this restaurant, we go, mom, so tomorrow we're going to bring you the tequila chicken. How does that sound? And then we're going to go get you uh, one, uh, a, a, a cappuccino, you know, the kind that you yeah. liked. We're going to get that. What do you, and then we're going to go to C's Candy and get Bordeaux's, like all of them. We're going to eat like 20 of them together and right, she'll laugh, right? right? Cause so things that yeah. she remembers, things that were like, like viscerally. And my mother was yeah. a singer. And so we, I've made, you know, compilations of all her songs and we sing them at nauseum. We sing good, them at good. nauseum. Yeah. And right. play her old recordings and, and play but, them. but it's, yeah. but we find you, I find that it's different every time. Meaning what, what turned them on last time, they, there's nothing. And right. what, you know, you never know. And that's being that detective, like you yeah. said. It's, it's literally, a good way to frame it's, it. It's, it's a detective yeah. literally moment to moment. You know, I, I, am, I so deeply believe in, in aging at home. Because if, if the person is at home, you have all kinds of things at your disposal. Yeah. Um, but if somebody's in a care facility, one of the cruelest things about care facilities is that they're, they are so impersonal. They, they are in America, we began them like as if they were hospitals and hospital right. rooms. There's movement now to try to bring more sensory stimulation in, but it is so difficult to bring it with you. Whereas if you can just step outside, mm -hmm. feel the breeze on your face, the smell of, of mowed grass or, mm -hmm. or the sound of a bird in a nearby tree. Yeah. If you have any access at all to the natural world, there's beauty all around in the present and yeah. that's where your loved one is living yeah. so if you yeah. if they are living in a care facility try to bring it with you you know one of the things that i think is so available and so critical is to um make use of technology and i'm, I'm talking about just youtube like buy a gigantic television it doesn't even have to be a smart tv put a put a roku stick on it or an amazon fire stick get youtube on it and search babbling brook Search Nightingale. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's a young man from Bulgaria, I think, calls himself the silent watcher, and he goes around the world videoing beauty, natural mm. beauty. 
you know, I, I had one woman who had um, lived all of her life on the Delaware River. She raised her children in a house where the back lawn went down to the water. The sound of the river filled that home, winter and summer, day and night. You could hear the river. And then the kids had all moved to Idaho. She eventually comes because she's experiencing dementia. She had to move into a care facility and there she is, you know, in that mostly beige, white, gray room in those gray halls. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, it's like been decorated like a hotel. Well, yeah. she never went to hotels. She didn't like hotels. No, no yeah. And she it's, always wanted yeah. to leave. Why did she want yeah. to leave? She wanted to leave because it didn't wasn't feel home. like home. So <laughs> yeah. what did we do? You put a TV in the room. And you put a YouTube video on that's eight hours long, and it's the sound of the river running. She walks into the room. She sits down. She says, oh, home, finally. Home. Uh, right? Something she so relates to, yeah. yeah. Sensory stimulation. Anything yeah. you can think of that is beautiful for them. And uh -huh. even on How Zoom, about a shopping mall? Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that works. I used to always take people to the mall. <laughs> I used to. Like, we no, but can we get... On, <laughs> no, I was gonna say a YouTube of like of the mall, a YouTube of the mall. She could they can go shopping. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but just, if you can just go, just go sit in a mall, and there's people walking by. You can yeah. talk about what what people are wearing. You can get exactly. the smells. You can get a protein shake. You can get a coffee. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you're I, if you're I, fortunate enough, to, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to I I have another another selfish question, okay? Cuz this is, you know, and I I as as, you know, I think I'm getting yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty uh attuned to this world now, but I still yeah. get thrown when my mother will come out with just a something that just bumps me and I take it personally like she'll she won't have spoken at all and she'll just go, "Shut up." Out of nowhere. And I don't know, right. and I had to take it back and go, is she saying shut up to me as I'm talking? Or is she saying shut up to something that's annoying her in the other room? I don't know. And so I, no. can you speak to that? Yeah, think about what it would feel like to be losing skills the way mm -hmm. people do with dementia. You're losing mm -hmm. your language skills. You're losing your attention skills. You lose the ability to direct your attention, redirect your attention, or maintain your attention. And when we lose those skills, that means you're just sitting there minding your own business, maybe thinking happy thoughts, but all of a sudden there's a movement or a flash of light or a sound. You have no ability to stop yourself. Just, your attention's grabbed. Mm. It grabs you. And then something else happens and it grabs you again. Mm -hmm. It's really uncomfortable. And, and think about sitting someplace in the three seconds now and you look up and you look around and you think, have who are these people because you don't have any knowledge of the past have they been speaking i don't know because i can't recall anything past three seconds ago did this person i'm sitting with i think this is my daughter i know she loves me but but did she just say something and i forgot to answer mm. what did she say you know you think about the 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 emotional unease that is caused by losing these skills and and so when and and that's not even taking into account delusions or hallucinations you know and i've um especially if it's ftd or or um you, you, there are dimensions where and it always seems to be something out of the person's past you know some something that 
uh, and it becomes and it becomes a topic they cannot avoid. They can't turn their attention away from it. And I think a lot of these hallucinations and delusions are, are actually complicated by these changes to our attention skills. The worst delusion I ever had to work with or encountered was this poor woman. She had um, grown up in somewhere in the Dakotas, um, far from town. She had given birth, I think, five times and alone, found herself alone. She had to deliver at home alone. Um, she lost two children. And so uh, years later, and she's uh, outlived her husband, and, and she began to, as her dementia progressed, she began to have this delusion that she was imminently giving birth. And so she'd be sound asleep, dozed off, or she'd be daydreaming or something, and then suddenly she'd wake up and say, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, the baby's coming, the baby's coming, and she'd start trying to tear her clothes off. Poor woman, but she was absolutely beside herself because she didn't want the baby to die. Oh, God, it's so, tragic. You know, they called me in. I know. And, and she was absolutely exhausted. I've never seen anybody more exhausted because this would hit her every few minutes. Oh, so God. I sat down beside her and, and, you know, she's sitting in her in her rocking chair in the dining room. And then all of a sudden she comes to life. She's like, oh, oh the baby, the baby, I'm giving birth, I'm giving birth. And instead of saying to her, no, you're not. Stop it. Don't be silly. It's a delusion. Instead of correcting her and demanding that she used cognitive skills she didn't have, I agreed with her. And I just said, oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Oh, no. Right. I'm, I'm reflecting her love and concern. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Put your hand on your belly. And she put her hand on her belly and she'd realize that her belly was flat. And I'd say, feel your belly. And she'd look a little confused and she'd look at me and she'd say, and, and she, well, she wouldn't say anything. I'd say, feel your belly. There's no baby. There's no baby. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Now, why did that work? And then she goes off immediately, fall asleep. She's exhausted. Why did that work? It worked because I gave her sensory stimulation in the present, but it also worked because I gave her love. I met her. I let her tell me her emotion and I reflected it. I felt it too. You allowed her to come to the realization right. that there wasn't, as opposed to you right. telling her that there wasn't. Right, you, because you, I didn't expect <laughs> her to use rational thinking skills. I, right. I expected her to use intuitive thinking skills, and that is sensory stimulation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's sensory. There's so many, many things. I mean, we, we have not even scratched the no, surface, right. uh, surface, I think, of the dog yeah. method. I think we've talked about a lot of the elements of it but not as a whole. And I think we might have to do that in another, oh, like a whole nother show. Yeah, I, I know this, we, <laughs> could, we could talk forever. Session. You're like a, you are the gem. Yeah. You are the gem that I found through my mother's Alzheimer's. You're amazing. You are really a gift to everybody. Honestly, go, we're going to put all of Judy's information up on our, on our podcast notes. You know, she's got all kinds of programs and resources and resources books. and two, two books that we oh haven't my talked God, about. She's my, my new goodness. BFF. She doesn't know it yet, but she is. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're kindred spirits because you're doing the same thing. Both of us are motivated by wanting to share this with yeah. more people so that they can experience the same to, to be able to help people live a, a good final chapter 
Yeah. Thank you guys for subscribing, sharing, listening, and um, we we hope that you got a lot out of this. And Don, thank you, and yes. Judy, thank, thank you, you again. And as we and always say, so welcome. As we always say, love is powerful, love is contagious, and love conquers all. Oh, and we will see you next time. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Bye, oh, you're everybody. welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm.